Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of Swiss Wine Asia, host of the Main Channel Podcast and the host of the Swiss Wine Asia YouTube channel. Of course, back with another one, another podcast. This is a video cast, of course. A little so, if you want to check out the video, check out the YouTube channel. Um, this is an interesting one. It's a little bit different. You know, we like to experiment here. We we have fun. We have fun at Swiss Wine Asia. So yeah, like basically, the reason why this is different is I interviewed two of my ex-employees one was intern turned employee the other one was uh so vincent was a intern uh, turned our salesperson and then luke was uh our marketing intern that worked for us in 2000 i want to say 2018 he was with me for three months we did one month in china two months in the philippines yeah created a bunch of great content he kind of created some blueprints around uh, sops and around uh, how we do our content marketing same thing with the sales vincent was integral in helping us like because before that i used to do all the sales calls myself so vincent bringing him on i we developed sops and all that stuff so what was interesting about this interview was just like it's been a f- it's been a few years you know since i you know i've had them on the podcast or anything like that and it's also been a few years since they worked for me so it was just kind of a review of you know what it was like to work for me how they what they're doing now because i mean you know they came to me as babies and now they're uh, grown-ass men with uh, their own careers and ambitions companies things like that which is like super fun to hear uh, i'm very proud of them and also just the fact that we still have a good relationship like you, you know a lot of people you leave a job you never talk to your boss again <laughs> sometimes but yeah no so vincent is uh so what we did with this interview that's quite different is that we spliced in between the answers so there's some questions that i asked that were quite similar the answers are quite similar so i kind of wanted to play around with that so we're going to be jumping between vincent and, and luke's answers to certain questions uh, Vincent actually kind of turned the interview on me and basically interviewed me for half of it, which was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a, re- a really interesting podcast, uh, video cast. Like, like I said, if you want to check out the video, go to the YouTube. Um, if you want to just hear the audio, then continue listening to the pod right now. So without further ado, oh yeah, by the way, check out our Discord, com slash SFA dash discord 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 like discord is fucking is popping man i'm really happy with the progress so far we've got great exclusive content on the discord we've got cool members joining we we're just getting started man i'm so excited we did like a watch party last weekend where we, we watched a documentary called when china met africa uh and it's uh i mean you can just google the doc uh, and the link will be in the description below but um yeah, it was cool. It was a live watch party. We had, you know, a couple of Discord members on there. And, yeah, we're just doing a lot of cool stuff on Discord, so check us out. I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. I guess we could start like what have you been doing since the last time that we spoke which i think has been it's been a while yeah i think that was like was it even pre-covid maybe i think so like since we recorded a podcast i remember I was since we recorded a podcast it was definitely pre-covid but like in ter- speaking i think i mean because obviously we had the ppe stuff going on um yeah. 
you were still working with us at the time. And then yeah. um, I would say that's probably True. been like a year and a half since we last spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's right. Um, okay. So, yeah, quite a lot has been going on. Um, I, uh, I moved to London after China and stayed there for a while. And then when COVID broke out, I actually returned back to Finland, my home country. And uh, I started working in management consulting. Just uh, thought it would be like a good way to develop my business mindset and get some more angles on that aspect because I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't quite know like what direction to go. Uh, me and a buddy of mine had started an e-com company earlier that had failed. Uh, so I was like kind of <laughs> stung by the physical product space. So I thought uh, I want to go a different direction, but didn't know what to do. So I went to work in management consulting, applied for a master's degree here at the Stockholm School of Economics, where I started studying last August, been living in Stockholm ever since. And that's where I also met my, my co-founder, one of them. And uh, we, we started a company called Norn, which basically focuses on onboarding the Nordics onto Web3, because we all inherently believe in blockchain technology and the potential, potential that it offers. So, so that's what I'm doing now. I'm actually hustling that full time, considering I haven't made the final decision yet, but very much considering dropping out of school because it's not really, I don't think it's that interesting studying a business master's. I already did a business bachelor's, so it's kind of, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it feels very useless. Yeah. And I mean, it's like what I, what we always talked about when, uh, what you're working for SFA is like I learned more from just working on the business than what I learned in school right um, and yeah. then of course when you're freeing up your time then you you have more of the mental space to focus on the actual business itself not too bad it's been a minute nice to nice to talk to you again after I mean it feels like forever I think I spoke to you like during COVID but it does feel like a while ago yeah i think yeah. yeah i mean there was a few uh business things that happened during covid like i think the first one was the masks like the ppe stuff and then yeah. there was a different project that we worked on as well i think you'd you'd asked us um for like a sourcing report but outside of that like we we didn't really talk that much so it's it was uh the other the other week i was just thinking to myself i was like man i haven't spoken to Luke in a while, man. I wonder what's going on with 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 Luke and how life's been since you were here. So let's start with uh, just a quick summary of how you found SFA, your experiences in Asia with me and and Mike yeah. and and Imogen and uh, you know the rest of the team and everything. What you've been up to these days? Yeah, how I found SFA was. Um, I was just back in, in Ottawa in school um, and just looking for inspiration on, on YouTube. And um, I had been working for a influencer marketing company on how to source products from China. And I stumbled across SFA and some of your early videos, Rico, and mm -hmm. just subscribed and uh, kept on following it every week. And one of the weeks, I remember Rico had a 
had a video on like be my intern in China and I was like well what do I got to lose so I put together a quick application and the rest you know it's history as they say I got uh, I got all the paperwork to get to China which now seems like the hardest thing to do and I somehow did it and yeah and uh, and yeah I I ended up in China with Rico Uh, I first met Mike and then I met you and uh, yeah we met we met in Guangzhou and sushi yeah the rest yeah the rest was uh, honestly looking back on it was an amazing time i met the whole team yeah i mean i can dive into the to the experience as a whole but overall you know it was really like as i said to you before the the interview started it was my first time you know being in a more professional setting because the, the job I had before was just with, with friends. So mm-hmm. being with, with you, Mike and the whole team, like it was my first sort of uh, business working for interning for. And yeah, I, I learned a lot to be honest. I wore like, I got the opportunity to wear so many hats uh, at source fine Asia that, you know, afterwards uh, I, I took those experiences and it really allowed me to, to get where I am today. So nice. Yeah, because I, I think what's interesting is, uh, you know, I, I think everybody has a perception of how a job is supposed to be, right? Like uh, it's how your yeah. relationship with your boss is going to be like. What I try to do with the company is I try to have a situation where it's like, we're not, I mean, let's be real, we're not friends. Like I'm now we're friends, but in, in, in the work context. We're not friends, but uh, we're friendly with each other. We respect each other. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I want you to feel comfortable in the work environment. I want you to experience um, things that you haven't experienced before. Uh, and then I also want to understand what you want to do, what you want to experience. So, uh, I mean, I would hope that that was your overall take from from working with us is uh, this aspect of like, yeah, I, I did some things I didn't expect to do. I experienced some things I didn't expect to experience. But um, overall, it's like, yeah, I got to do things that I wanted to do as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Overall, it was, I got to do things that, you know, I, I would never have a chance to do at another company in, in terms of like running the podcast, for example, and yeah. and posting on, posting on the social on the socials, for example, at the company, mm-hmm. um, helping with the email list. Like those are all things that someone with my experience in a company in Canada, like I would never get a chance to do that. So just having the opportunity to do those, those things was huge. And then on, on the more outside of work aspect, just being able to travel and go to China, go to the Philippines, uh, and do this like meet some of the people that i met like i would have never had that experience in canada so yeah just that whole aspect of it is something that i i still you know i still know follow some of those people today and still know them right so mm-hmm. it's something that I, I i would have never gotten anywhere else so just to for let's say for somebody who's completely new when it mm-hmm. comes to blockchain and web 3, uh, 3.0 how, what are you doing exactly? Like, if you just to break it down for somebody that yeah. doesn't understand it. Yeah. So uh, right now we we are building community. We we own the domains nft.se, fidk, and no, 
And through those, we want to gain the attention of the Nordics to actually educate and inspire people that are new to Web3 and kind of hesitating to, to get involved. Because the, the threshold to actually get involved and understand the space is really high as of now. Like it's super technical and uh, the user journeys are just incredibly bad. Like if you want to actually do something in Web3, you're going to have to transact uh, with at least five different uh, apps. Uh, so, so the user journeys are super difficult, frightening, and there's also a lot of scams going on. So what we're trying to do is basically lower the threshold for people to get involved in the space by educating and inspiring people and building and kind of funneling those people into our community. Long-term vision is mm -hmm. to be kind of like an antler of Web3 in the Nordics. And Antler is this company that incubates startups and invests in them and helps them grow. So we want to build this uh, Nordic garden, that is what we call it, where we have uh, all the, the Nordic uh, Web3 startups sit in the same co-working space and then we'll invest in them and help them grow as well. That's like kind of a long-term vision. But for now, we're just using the domains to, to get the attention of the Nordics and also be gateway into the Nordics for global players, say from Asia or, or the US. How would you see this like sort of tying into, or do you see it tying into uh, productized uh, product businesses, physical product uh, businesses? I don't see it directly tying into it, but I think like in the future, it's definitely going to be tied in. I think maybe the the most uh, relatable or, or known example would be Gary V and his V Friends collection, his NFT collection, mm -hmm. where he is basically planning to build a physical products business around each character in his collection. That's mm -hmm. his like long-term vision. So I definitely see like the technology tying into physical products when it comes to like verification of ownership and like even supply chain data could be really interesting to have on a blockchain, be completely transparent in that way. And, and yeah, just make it more efficient to track track supply chain data but i think we're still a bit we're not uh, we're not there yet like it's going to it's going to take a few more years it's take until a while, yeah. Get yeah yeah and, and just to be clear this is not an investment show <laughs> investment <laughs> advice is not you know i don't want anybody suing us uh uh but yeah it's funny that you mentioned that because part of the reason why i, I something that's been interesting for me and i invested into it is this yep. um a uh, cryptocurrency called VeChain. So yeah. uh, I, you heard of it? Yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. Yeah, and basically it's going to be that. It will be, it is that. Like it's all the supplier information is tracked through blockchain and, and it makes it more transparent for the for the end user or, you know, for what, whoever wants to understand what happened at certain stages. And the safety behind it is that, okay, you know, right now, for example, mm -hmm. if a kid buy, if a if a parent buys a toy for a kid, the kid's playing with the stuffed teddy bear, and then they find there's some needle inside, you know, and the kid gets hurt from the needle. We don't know at what stage of the production process or whatever that something went wrong. People can always yeah. blame other people. Other companies can blame other companies because they're like, well, when we sent you guys the teddy bear, it wasn't fully sewn and, you know, all this stuff, you know, it's like, 
So uh, yeah, I, I I really believe in something like VeChain because I just I mean I see it with our industry over the years we've become more and more transparent. Um, that was one of the I mean that's one of our company policies right in SFA as well as transparency, um, and that's just the way it's going. Like uh, people want to know more about how the sausage is made, right? Uh, yeah. So I just and then of course in terms of it as a long term investment for me. I look at it like right now, it's not super expensive to get VeChain, especially right now with the, the drop in, yeah. <laughs> with the, in everything. Like we're talking about, like, I think it's like for one VeChain, I think it's like one cent or 1.5 cents or something like that. So yeah, like, I was like, man, like, okay, when I saw that, I was like, I'll, I'll just buy like a hundred VeChain or, you know, two, and then I keep buying it every, every single time there's a market dip. Because I'm yeah, like exactly. in 10, 15, 20 years, who knows where, how, how much this could ex- explode to, right? Um, yeah, exactly. And it just makes sense on a business level in terms of where you're seeing the trend of physical product businesses go in manufacturing. Mm. So, yeah, mm. it's interesting that you mentioned that. Yeah, I'm actually curious to hear, like, from your perspective, still being on the ground, are you seeing more of these type of solutions in China or like in general, like technology improving in manufacturing and what's, what's that look like? It's tough to say because I haven't physically been in China for over two years now. Um, but yes, I mean, you know, we had to find different solutions to different problems. The technology is definitely getting better. Factories are more used to doing like zoom calls and, and communicating more about what's going on. Um, yeah. But I mean, I think COVID slowed down a lot because China has the zero COVID policy, right? Yeah. So, so even if one person in a factory gets COVID, the factory's mm-hmm. shutting down, you know? So it's like one of those things um, that makes it tough for the advancement of everything. And even just moving goods from one place to another becomes so difficult because the they're setting up roadblocks and you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely moving in that direction. I think it could be faster if if uh, COVID didn't exist. I think it could be yeah. much faster. But what's interesting is because of COVID, the factories have had to get used to communicating with their clients through these different channels that, you know, like like a Zoom, like even we have a fa- some factories in Slack now. You know what I mean? Oh, really? Uh, in some, yeah, in some Slack channels, we have some suppliers uh, communicating and things like that. And, so you, the factories have had to adapt. It's forced them to adapt to a little bit more of a Western communication style and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's only going to be a positive thing because, you know, the more we kind of learn how to work together, the faster we progress. And, and also it's much more difficult now to get a WeChat account than it was before. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's another aspect. I know you want to know something else. Like people still ask about you here in the Philippines. Oh really? Oh really? Yeah, for sure. Like I, yeah. uh, when I, I've, it's happened, I would say three, four times, when I was hanging out with yeah. uh, people from the refined mostly. Uh, yeah, and then they would just be like, "Hey, you know, what's Luke up to?" You know, and I'll be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." There's a guy. It's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, what is Luke up to <laughs> these days? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, like after after um, the internship, like I really, because I did so much, like, you know, I had so much fun. Like, you know, I, I knew I wanted to come back to Canada um, 
to just to be closer to home and and uh, everything like that. I just didn't know, you know, what to do and, and where to start because as we just talked about, like I wore so many different hats that I was just like having a lot of trouble just honing in on one and focusing on one. Uh-huh. I knew I wanted to, I knew I wanted to like do something in the, the capacity that it is in source financial, but I was really having a hard time finding that. Um, so I, I, I joined a buddy of mine started, we, you know, it was shortly after I came back, COVID became a thing and just started a sourcing company. Uh, worked with you guys on that a little bit. And then after that, you know, it was still the, the same kind of thing. Had a lot of troubles finding a job. So I joined a recruitment firm, uh, worked there in customer service, uh, did some of their social media as well. And then COVID affected their business as well. So decided to move from Ottawa and come to Toronto. And I've been living here ever since. Love it here. Huge city, lots of opportunity. And just sort of grinding away, uh, building up my career here. And um, I had I had started like a few side little projects involving sourcing, um, and uh, still still trying those. They weren't as successful as I would have hoped, but you know, still still grinding away and still going at it. So yeah, I've I've now sort of built out my career um, at Hilti Canada and working on the logistics side for them and hopefully can grow there and work on my logistics side in a more career oriented role through them. That's fantastic, man. I get, for me, it's, it's cool to see like uh, the influence of the internship, uh, you know, you still being in the industry, the things that you did afterwards, yeah. like it, it's super cool to see that. Cause uh, I mean, I don't know, like, I know, I know, I knew what the benefits were of the internship, but then you never know if somebody's actually gonna execute on those things or if they might lose interest in, you know, whatever it is that's going on, you know. Um, and that's why for me, the, the unique selling point with internship was it's not just about learning about sourcing, manufacturing, logistics, it's also you get to travel, you get to be in different countries, you learn about Asia and things like that. And you know, maybe at the end of the day, you don't end up in the manufacturing industry or logistics, but, you know, you still have this experience, right? Uh, maybe it piques cool. your interest in, maybe uh, maybe it makes you curious about living in Asia. Who knows how it's going to affect that person, right? Um, yeah. j- just out of curiosity, like, wh- whereabouts in Toronto are you living? Um, I'm actually right outside my apartment now. Uh, I you don't have to, don't say your address. Don't say address, just say the area. <laughs> I live on Dover Court, so it's like uh, yeah. Dover Court in college. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah just uh, I, I used to live in Eglinton. I lived, I lived in a couple different places. I was in like St. Clair, uh, Eglinton. I lived in, uh, lived on King Street. And then I also lived on, uh, for the most time, uh, what's that area called? Uh, it's, so, you know, when you, when you go like from, uh, like from Young Street and then you go onto King Street and then you cross over and then there's another, str- there's another road that's adjacent to Young Street. You, it's you not remember? Bathurst. Not Spadina. Not Bathurst. Spadina. Yep. So I was in Spadina yep. as well. Um, and, and uh, there's a whole like, 
condo section that's a little bit after King Street, uh, which had like a park and then a couple different buildings there as well. Okay. So, yeah, I was all over the place. But uh, for the most part, um, I really appreciated living like in Eglinton, I think was probably some of my funnest times in Toronto. Um, so besides that, I, I know that I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about this, but like, I know you had, you had your girlfriend and things like that. So, you know, are you guys still, is that still a thing? Still an item? Yeah, we're still, we're in Toronto together. Um, I moved in Toronto because she was in school here. And um, so, yeah, we're, we're still together here in Toronto and she's pursuing her PhD uh, so yeah, we're, we're living together here in Toronto. I, I moved here, uh, because of her and, and there's just honestly more opportunities here. So that's, that's how many years, man. That's, that's a, that's a long, it's a long term relationship right there. Yeah. We've been together for 10 years. Ten, yeah. Yeah. I remember it, it. Yeah. I was like, uh, it's surprising, surprising. Uh, but that's, it's nice, man. Okay. So what do you see? Do you see yourself? Do you see you and, and your girlfriend as well uh, seeing themselves in uh, Canada long term? Or is it a situation where it's like, okay, we're open to the idea of, you know, going to another country once everything's kind of more settled and we've, you know, she's finished a PhD and things like that. And, you know, yeah, Toronto was always going to be a stopover for me and probably her. Um, where, I mean, she she's not tied down to Toronto at all. I just came here for the opportunities and just being a, a fun place to work at. And then after that, I have no idea where it's going to take me. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to maximize my my time here and maximize like how 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 I grow my career really and just establish myself. And then after that, who knows where I'll go. I'm just keeping it open for now. Do you have a particular part of the world that you want to go to? Honestly, not, not particularly right now. Um, I would love to go to Asia at some point again, uh, just because, you know, it, it has so many advantages. Um, but, for now, I'm, I'm really keeping it open. Uh, I'm, I, I moved here during COVID, like to Toronto during COVID. So I'm just really, really enjoying this Toronto as a city right now. It's finally, you know, it's been a few months now, but it's finally open. I can experience, you know, a proper Toronto summer, uh, going to the festivals and experiencing the nightlife and all that. So yeah, for now, I'm, I'm really just focused on being in Toronto and enjoying that and, you know, sort of living the Toronto life to the fullest. Yeah, I miss I miss Toronto summers. Uh, you know, I just have to get back there as soon as possible because I always I always used to tell people, you know, winters can be brutal in, in, in Canada in general, but like... Uh, the fact of the matter is like everybody's experiencing the same thing, right? So like when the summer comes around, everybody wants to have a good time and there's a bunch of different events in the course of four months um that you know toronto summers were amazing you know so i I understand what you're saying montreal summers in my opinion are probably the best as well you know yeah um 
All right. So one of the things that you brought up uh, that you mentioned before was about like experiences with SFA and things like that. I think what would be interesting for the audience would be that, you know, now that we're a couple of years removed, um, what, how has that affected, like, besides going into logistics and some of the things that you, you did before, how has that affected how you approach work in general? You, the workplace, like the environment, how you view it, how how is it affected? Um, I think I think SFA, uh, like definitely when I worked there, still had like the the startup vibe. Yeah. Um, but the one thing, mostly honestly, I'm still trying, you to, I'm still trying me, to keep the vibe. <laughs> yeah, one thing that you taught me the most was just like. Uh, processes and like really getting those set up as a as a starting point for anything you do so I still like to this day I still try to focus that and like how to streamline things like I, I still think in that way when it comes to to working um and especially specifically like, uh, what kind of processes just again I'm, I'm I'm asking because there's another version of you probably listening yeah. to this right now who's like, okay, yeah. so what, what is the actual process? Like what, what you don't have to give all the processes or anything like that, but just an example, right? Yeah. Like, like I remember working for you, like you like to have like some structure to your work and like, it's like, okay, we're going to establish, we're going to do it like this and sort of have a clear cut idea of what you're doing and then how to do it. And then once you do that work a few times, like, writing it down on a document on how to do that work and then mm. over over the course of that work sort of refining it as you go along mm. and especially for this logistics role that i'm just in right now like it was a very new role the company didn't really have a back order management process and it's just like i i still revert back to those lessons that i learned in sfa it's like okay like we're working at it we don't really know what we're doing but once we have a better idea like you know at work just now I got asked like okay let's write down some of these processes and I would go back on the things that I learned at SFA and just like okay yes this is how we did it I just opened the word document I wrote it wrote out what I was doing in my role and you know those influences from SFA and, and the things that I learned there are definitely you know some of the things that I'm using in this role for for those particular tasks or just like you know how to how to better be just organized in my work and then make it easier for myself going forward um, in terms of just the organization. So uh, I guess one of the questions I was going to ask is like, since we're talking about the internship right now, you already talked about what you learned from it, but I'm, I'm more mm -hmm. curious about how that's informed, how you work now, like how you work, how you live, how these kind of things yeah uh yeah let me think about that one for a while i think uh i think like when it comes to practical skills obviously sales was like the main thing that i practiced and learned and uh i think like i i remember the first sales calls mm. and in comparison to the, to the later ones like during the first sales call even though i had like a sales background i still hadn't I hadn't uh, done sales in like an institutional way. I, I guess I'll call it that because we're still dealing B2B, even though most yeah. of the customers are like small companies, but still I would call it like 
yeah, it was definitely B2B sales. I hadn't done that before. And in the beginning, I was kind of trying to, to please the customers and like just I remember, answer yeah. everything uh, they requested. And that's like the main learning, like to just shift the almost the power dynamic to to be more of a, like, I don't want to say reserve, but more like, ah, we'll see, like maybe, or actually no. And then yeah. you like un, under, under promise and over deliver. Yeah, that's Instead. one of the, the things we always talked about under promise over over deliver. But yeah. in terms of the power dynamic thing, I would say that it's like um, it's more understanding what your value is. You know, yeah. understanding what the company's value is. That's that's the way I look at it. Is like I know what, how we can help you, and I know yeah. how difficult it it's gonna be if you do it by yourself. Yeah. You know, so then you can you can't uh, bend the knee to every request, you know? Exactly. And that's how I, I still, uh, I, I, that still stays with me today. Like, for example, now with our startup, we're going to raise an investment round within the, 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 the next coming months. Mm-hmm. And uh, nice. the, my, the mindset I used to have would probably be like, okay, that actually caught myself thinking like this. It was like, Okay, how how are we gonna convince these people to invest in us? Whereas, the actual mind, like the mindset and the thing I learned from SFA is like switching it to, like we're gonna make you rich. Like why should we accept you as investors? Actually, yeah, yeah. it's like exactly. uh, just switching the whole thing around, and that's also about believing in yourself and your value. As you said, you know that you're valuable, that you're gonna provide a lot for whatever you get paid. So. So it's all about confidence when it's, uh, yeah, that's what what's at the core of it. Um, but but uh, culturally and like working in, in China and working for SFA, you know, I think it just gave me a, uh, a broader spectrum of like, like a, just a broader, uh, how do you say, like a way of thinking? Perspective, yeah, perspective. perspective. That's what I'm, yeah, way of thinking, like, just seeing, witnessing firsthand the way Chinese people typically work and comparing that to like Americans and Canadians and then I have Europeans because that's where I'm from. Like it just, uh, yeah, it, it both gives me confidence in, in myself and also makes me realize that, you know, there's so many different ways of doing things uh, and, and all of them could work potentially. <laughs> just yeah. depends on the setting and the problem you're tackling and the angle you're taking and also like uh, just learning the different cultures in order to be able to be a better leader and to be able to accommodate because uh, eventually we are going to want to be a remote first company as well so we for sure have some employees in asia and potentially in the us maybe uh, southern south america as well mm-hmm. um so it's it's just like yeah, I'm so used to the Western way of working. And in the Nordics, we're very efficient as well. Not as efficient as the Germans, but still like on time, you know, doing things efficiently, always meeting the deadlines. Uh, and it's just like expected of everyone. And it's like not, I wouldn't say work is that social. Uh, whereas, uh, yeah, I'm not saying Chinese are not efficient, but, but it's more hands-on management and leadership. It's yeah, it's more of a it's more of a micro micromanaging situation than macro managing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is which is a big part of the reason why I never hired a uh, Chinese salesperson because mm. I was like 
I want, I always wanted it to be a North American or European person who spoke English and, and mm. was sort of, um, I guess, similar culturally to me in, in yeah. some aspect, because I just knew I was like, I, it's going to drive me fucking crazy if I'm always having to chase this person to do this or to understand how, why we're doing this. Like, you know, I don't mind explaining, but like some things are just kind of like inherently understood when you come from a, from a similar cultural background. You just kind of understand, yeah. okay, he's asking me to do this because this is and that, right? Um, so I always found it like, I always found it difficult sometimes when I would work with uh, somebody where culture was important mm. in the conversation. Right. Mm. And I, I, a lot of times, um, um, I mean, Imogen is great. She's, she's been fantastic since the beginning, yeah. since the second month that she worked for me. <laughs> but like a lot of my education with Imogen was just teaching her how Western clients think. Because mm. a lot of times it was like she, they were asking for things and she was like, why do they want this? Like, it's, there's no point. Like, but no, I'm telling her like, no, Western clients want to understand what's going on and you have to give more information. And mm. it's also good customer service to not give them half the information or 10% of the information just because you don't understand why they want this info, you know? Yeah. So it was, uh, it was yeah, a lot of that was that. But I mean, now she's she's doing the same thing with other employees that are beneath her in the, in, in the business. Um, mm. So yeah, there's a, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you on that. What's uh, what's your whole take on China? like? Are you are you still gonna go back there or? What, I mean, first, what's Rico's right, future look like? Uh, I mean, first of all, I think that uh, I think it's it's extremely difficult to go back now, right? Because mm -hmm. regardless of vax, vaccine, whatever, you have to quarantine for a, a, like I think three weeks. Oh, Get the people. getting the visa itself takes a lot of work. It's not the way it was before. Um, and then you have this, again, zero COVID policy. So you could end up in a situation where you're there. And then, like, for example, you fly into Shanghai at the beginning of that lockdown. You end up stuck mm -hmm. in Shanghai for two months. <laughs> like, you know, so I, 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 it's, uh, it's a very, very complicated situation. But, like, in terms of what I want, we started doing remote work systems in 2019 before COVID, right? Mm. Um, and and you you remember why we did that because I was traveling quite a bit. Yeah. And what I noticed is when I wasn't in China, the a lot of the staff weren't going to the office. Mm. Yeah. They were still doing their work, and it was still fine. They just weren't going to the office. So I I kind of just first I was angry. You know, we used to have fines. We used to have uh, late uh, uh, late. Uh, uh, what do you call it? When, when somebody's late to office, we'd find them essentially. Um, and then at some, at some stage, I was thinking to myself, I was like, if I'm going to be traveling all the time, or not all the time, but frequently, it's kind of a little bit hypocritical because not all of my travel was business related. It was kind of like, I would say 60%, 70% business, and then 30% me just wanting to do the digital nomad thing, right? Um, yeah, exactly. So I was like, all right, like, I'll, I will, let's just, let's just have everybody work from wherever they want to work from but mm. let's just create some rules around it so that like you know maybe we change the time that we have the monday meeting we you know somebody can't just be jumping from country to country 
every two days. You know what I mean? It has to be a little bit like, okay, you need to know where you are, what time zone you're in and things like that. So, um, yeah. So I think that for us long-term, I definitely will, will have to go to China at some stage for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm thinking more on, on the lines of like bringing the Chinese stuff, staff to other countries. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Philippines or Thailand or Vietnam or something like that, bringing them down for all hands meetings. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. I think uh, that makes, probably makes sense. sense. I mean, I, I would be super stoked to go to China again, like not, not for long term, but just to visit. Mm-hmm. But seems like that's not going to happen in a, in a long time. Uh, also, also, also super stoked on Hong Kong. I actually met up with Alan when I was in, in Thailand. Uh, met up with Alan and, and his uh, wife or fiance wife, I guess, in Phuket. Wife. Uh, yeah, and had uh, had dinner there, and I just uh, got reminded of how how much I like Hong Kong, and I could definitely see myself living yeah. there again at some point. But I'm not sure how that's going to change as well now with the well, it already happened a couple of years ago, but the, the handover back to to China and mm-hmm. uh, the, well, it already happened a couple of years ago, but the, the handover back to to China and uh, and but uh, but I still like Alan was talking about it as well like the Greater Bay Area project how much infrastructure they're building there and how much money is going to flow into like Hong Kong Shenzhen Greater Bay Area uh, yeah in, infrastructure projects going to probably create a lot of opportunity especially in physical products import export that's cool man like that's that's interesting yeah because it's like um i don't know it, it's not very sexy <laughs> you know what i mean no. it's 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 <laughs> not a it's not a very sexy thing when it comes down because um a lot of times i think when people think about entrepreneur entrepreneurship they're thinking about like the big speeches you give in front of the company and like uh, you know the management stuff talking to people and 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 uh getting investment and things like that uh that's more sexy but like the bigger issue the bigger thing of running a business is just systems and processes like that's how all of the yeah. companies that we are familiar with got developed right and it's like sitting it's two people or one person or multiple people sitting down in a room initially having a conversation brainstorm session and then putting it down on a document and then then implementing that process like that's really what it comes down to right um yeah and then that becomes everything that everybody else does within the business uh but yeah it's cool to see that you you kind of took that um i mean i can tell you where i took it from like i so first client is i think you know uh, was prodigy Right. Yeah. And and uh, I saw their like because we were working together and um, they shared their Google Drive with us and they had some SOPs in there that you know were for us essentially. So I took some of that and I also took kind of their structure of how their Google Drive was. Um, and then um, I was listening to a podcast by Tropical NBA, uh, which interestingly enough I met one of the guys uh, two years one of the founders from that. Um, and they had a whole podcast about how they do, how they manage teams remotely. So, okay. 
so then, then they were talking about the importance of SOPs. Like I knew it before, but then when I started hearing it from them and then how they structured their business and how they're able to travel and, you know, why they were creating all these SOPs, I just kind of went into overdrive with that. Um, yeah. But then the interesting part is when you get to a certain stage with the business, you're not the one writing the SOPs, you're just reviewing them, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, yeah. So what about, uh, I mean, talk specifically about, like, I guess, reflection on China and Philippines, uh, you know, your experiences with that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like over the past two years and then just thinking back on my time in China, like, I, I, I kind of can't. It's, it seems surreal in a way because like you hear so much about China the last two years because of COVID and then it's like, oh shit, I was there. Yeah. Um, you know, like just, just the fact that I was able to get a, a bank card, like I was like, holy shit, how did I manage that? Is, you know? is, your, is your account still active? I have no idea. I'm not checking that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, China, China was a crazy experience. I, I don't know if I'll ever be able to experience that again, but it was, it was just such a, such a crazy experience. I don't like, you know, I go to cities in North America and I'm like, oh, this is it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, like I, I look back very fondly on that time. And then the, the Philippines was the highlight to me, like just being in, in that city and then being able to travel and experience the Philippines more than just Manila, but then also just being in Manila, experiencing the city experience, all it has to offer, and then just all the, the added bonuses of, of being at SFA and like getting to meet some of those people, like I would have never been able to do that. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for listening to this episode of the Main Cheddar Podcast. If you want to reach out to us, that's podcast at com. If you want to check out the show notes from the episode that you just watched, that's sourcefinancial.com slash made in China. And be sure to also check out our YouTube channel, Source by Asia. All one word. Cheers. Set it go, talking about your Lambos I fit the 6 grand